Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians chapter number 5, I want to read for you a verse of scripture, then we're going to go to Romans chapter 4. And so Galatians chapter number 5, the Bible talks about the works of the flesh, and then it contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit. And so in verse number 22, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now those are all inner qualities, inner characteristics of the Spirit's fruit. Inside of you, within who you are, He wants to give you love, joy, and peace. Okay, That that impacts who you are as a person. And then He says long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Now those are outer things, okay? So if you're long-suffering, you're going to be long-suffering with somebody, okay? So gentleness with somebody, goodness with somebody. So the first three are inner, the, the, the second three are outer, and the third three are upward. They affect and impact our relationship with God. So first three characteristics are within me, second three characteristics are without me, and the third three are in my relationship with God. And the first of those is faith. Faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today, faith. And so I want to do that. Now, I want us to jump now to Romans chapter 4. Everybody go there. Because in Romans chapter 4, God is talking about faith. And He's going to illustrate faith in the life of an imperfect human being. A man by the name of Abraham, who didn't always do everything perfectly by faith. But he was characterized by, by faith in situations in his life. And so let's, let's, let's pick up the subject of faith in Romans chapter number 4, and, and let's begin reading about Abraham in verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let's pray. Father, help us now, I pray, in our discussion today of, of um, the seventh characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Help us, dear God, I pray, as we talk about the vital subject of faith, that you might speak deeply and thoroughly within us. God, I pray that you might increase and encourage our faith today. 
In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Now I don't believe that you or I could ever overestimate the importance of faith in the life of the believer. This journey that we call the Christian life is permeated by faith from start to finish. We begin by putting our faith in Christ. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, okay? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, what? Not of works. You can't earn your way, pay your way, pray your way, hope your way, scrape your way to heaven. You'll never get to heaven on what you do. It's all by grace. For, for by uh, grace are you saved through faith. So when I got born again, how did I get born again? By the grace of God, by placing my faith in Jesus as the only way to heaven. He said, I am the way, the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So you're not going to get to heaven on your own. You're not going to get to heaven by doing things your way. You're going to get to heaven by doing things God's way. So we're saved by faith. Uh, Romans 11.20 says that we're to stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says that we're to walk by faith. And in fact, four times in the Bible, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. So every part of our life as Christians is permeated by this matter of faith. I think that sometimes in the day and age in which we live, we almost want to become humanistic in our, in our way of living the Christian life. We want, we want, to, we want to figure out a 10-step program that will somehow uh, help us become um, better Christians. And we go to a bookstore and we find somebody's book on how to be successful or how to be, you know, uh, a champion for Christ and all these things. And the reality of the matter is, it's not, look, it can't be a work of the flesh or it's not a faith. And so it's not in reading a leadership book. It's not in reading a book on success or, or, or human dynamics or some sort of a glorified, spiritualized Dale Carnegie course that we that we that we do that uh, in fact the only time the word champion is used in the Bible was to Goliath and he was the opponent of God we're not to live by force as believers we're to live by faith in God and God alone and so the reality is this listen carefully the picture so clearly painted in the scriptures um, God doesn't need your bigness God needs you to trust in His bigness. People that recognize His strength and recognize His bigness and realize that we are in need of Him. And if we're going to accomplish, you or I, anything in this Christian life is going to have to be accomplished by faith. That's how God's designed it. When God began to move on my heart uh, a little over 17 years ago and began to... Uh, I knew God wanted me to come to Idaho. There were some things that I couldn't figure out. Number one, how are we going to do that? Number two, where's the money coming from to buy groceries and make us survive? Number three, my kids are coming with me. So, you know, who are they going to marry? That means all my grandkids are going to be out in Idaho for the most part. And so our whole life, the Herring family is going to be transferred from East Coast to all the way out here. How does that, how does that work out, God? And so my idea was, was, you know, I just had a brilliant idea, and that was just simply this. I'm going to leave a pen and paper out, figuratively, for God. And God, if you'll just show me, 
I'm just going to leave this right here. When I get up in the morning, if you will write out for me a, a map of how this is all going to work and how everything's going to work out and sign your name at the bottom, I'll sign my name right under you. All my questions will be answered and boom, we're good. But that's not how God works. A friend of mine who was a mentor by the name of Jim Rushing, he was a dear friend of mine, an older pastor that was just like a, I don't know, he was, he was just such a help to me over the years of my, of my ministry. And he said, Brother Dean, I want to come pick you up and take you out to eat. So I said, he's in, he was in the area, he's an evangelist at that time. So I said, yeah, let's go. So he said, what's God doing in your life? And I said, well, I'm not really sure. So I began to tell him what God was doing. And he looked at me and he said, you, you, need, to, you need to play checkers with God. And I remember thinking, dude, you should have wore a hat when you were in the sun because something's baked a little higher than, than you realized. And I said, well, Doc, what are you talking about? He said, have you ever played checkers? Well, of course I've played checkers, but I've never played checkers with God. And he said, well, if you play checkers, you know that, that somebody makes a move and they don't move again until the next guy moves. And, and then their move is in direct relation to how he moves. And he said, as far as I can see, God's already made his move. He's called you to Idaho. Now, your time is to move now. That means you've got to resign your church. That means you've got to step out on faith and, and start trying to set up meetings whereby you can raise support. And then it's God's turn to help you get to where he's called you to go. And I want to just tell you, I found out over the years that that's exactly true. When God, God moves us and God makes a move in our life, um, there's no sense in us standing around Listen, God doesn't bless the curious. God blesses the faithful. So if you're curious about how's this going to work, no, no, no. God's waiting on you to, to step out by faith and do what God's called you to do. Now, here's the deal. I don't care how long you've been saved, how many years you've been attending church faithfully, the reality of the matter is this. Your flesh wants to walk by sight. Show me. That's, that's Missouri's... Slogan, it's the show me state, okay? Show me. Well, God doesn't want you walking by sight. He wants you walking by faith. And faith is walking to the edge of all the light that you have and taking that next step where it's not clear, where you don't have the answers, where you're not sure of what God's doing in your life. You have to do that. In fact, let me give you a really shocking verse. Could I do that this morning? Romans chapter 14, verse 23, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Well, I wouldn't have wrote that. Are you kidding me? That's, no, that's too strong. Wait a minute. Whatsoever not of faith is it's not the best. That's what I would have wrote. It's not, it's not, if it's not of faith, it's not the best. It's not the wisest choice. We should live by faith. No, no. God said, look, if it's not... If it's, if it's not, whatsoever is not of faith is S-I-N. Why is that? Hear me. Why is that? Because whatever you're not doing by faith, you're naturally doing by flesh. So if you're not doing it by faith, then you're doing it under your own power. Not God's power, your power. Your wisdom, your skill set, your, your, your way of figuring things out. God said, no, 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 no. That's not how I operate. I'm not operating according to your flesh. I'm operating according to faith in me. And so if you don't have faith in me, God said, that's a sin. Now, here's something you're going to find out, and most of you probably already have, 
But God wants to stretch your faith. Have you ever been, have you ever been challenged in missions? Some of you say, no, I hadn't. Well, it's time you are, okay? It's time you do. We're talking about giving. We're talking about getting, okay? Pastor, I don't, I don't like going to a church where they don't talk about giving. I wouldn't attend a church that didn't talk about giving. God created everything on earth to give. The tree gives shade, okay? I mean, everything gives. That's a part of the Bible. If you cut the verses out of the Bible about giving, you don't, you don't have much of a book. So I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of giving. God wants you to give. God wants me to give. And one of the things, not only, look, we pay our tithe, but we give our gifts. And one of the gifts God wants us to give is to support world missions, getting the gospel to people around the world. Okay, we got Buddy Thigpen right now over in the Ukraine feeding people and helping people that are broken. Has uh, built churches and established orphanages. He's doing a great work there. And, 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 and we've got the Keck family in New Guinea. And I, I mean, listen, we've got, we, we got missionaries around the world. And, and we're going to make that far more visible for you in the future. And we're working on that now. It's, it's, it's important. I want you to know who our missionaries are so that you can pray for them. But we support missions. Now, listen to me carefully. You go to a meeting and you hear, you hear preaching on missions and God says, you need to do something. You, you need to step out on faith. And you do that and you're like, whoo, wow, this was great. Me and my wife talked and we're increasing our missions giving by $10 a week. This is amazing, okay? One of our missionaries is right here, Chip and LaVon. They're here that, that work with, with incarcerated young people, all right? God's, God's just increased. God's increased. I'm so excited about this. This is awesome. And the church takes on more missionaries, okay? That's how we do that. Giving increases, our missions group increases, okay? Now listen to me carefully. Two years later, you're sitting in a meeting, and, and missions is mentioned again, and you're like, ooh, what was that? I just gave two years ago. You know what God's, God's trying to do? He's trying to stretch you. You know why? Because we get in a comfort zone. This is easy. I can, I can meet. See, what was faith two years ago may not be faith this year. Could be more faith. I understand how finances go. But it could just be that God said, okay, I want you now to step a little further out. Let me tell you about my life. God is always stretching my faith. He doesn't want me settling and living in a comfort zone uh, to, to where I'm just on cruise control. Here's what God wants to do. Dean, I want to stretch you beyond your means. Because if it's within my means, it's all figured out, and I can take a calculator and punch it in, and it works great. Well, I can't really afford that. And God says, well, I can. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And God says, well, I do. See, I couldn't figure things out coming here. Didn't have any idea. Didn't have a dime. Did not have a dime. The last Sunday night of December uh, 2005, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a penny coming in. And all of a sudden... We just need God. And can I just tell you that God is taking care of us in an amazing way. Faith, faith works. Listen to this statement. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. And you heard me say this a million times. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And this is, this is what God is saying. You've got to believe that I am who I say I am and that I do what I say I'll do. You've got to believe that I'm God and that I keep my promises, okay? That's God. 
He that cometh to God must believe that he is, number one, and number two, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you believe that God is God and that God keeps his promises? Now, we can say for Chip Hall, I believe God's going to bless Chip and LaVon. They are the best people ever, just faithful, faithful people. And it's really easy for me to have faith for Chip. But it's harder for me to have faith for me and for Chip to have faith for Chip. See, see the, question is, the question is not, do I believe God will do your miracles for you? The question is, do I believe that God will do my miracles that I need? This is, this is, this is real faith. Do I think God can do for me what I need God to do for me? Can I? Here's what it boils down to. Can I trust God? Because the basis of all successful relationships is trust. If you trust each other, you can, you can get over a lot of things. It's trust. It's the basis of relationship. Now, I want you to go back to verse 17. I want you to get your pen out. I want you to underline something. I want to show you, first of all, the object of Abraham's faith in verse number 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even, what's the next word? God. Okay, look at it, verse 17. Some of you don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm going to help you. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even what? God. Say it with me. Wow, okay, we'll just skip that and move on. All right, so the object of our faith is God. Okay? Aren't you glad you came to church? I mean, does that... Does that thrill you that you're here in church and you came to church and you said, well, honey, what did you learn in church today? I learned that I'm to have faith in God. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's romper room. Okay, that's K-5. That's kindergarten. You mean I came to church today for you to tell me that I'm to have faith in God? Yeah, because here's the reality. We have faith in everything but God. Visa, MasterCard, Discover, Aunt Matilda. Okay, I mean, we trust everyone and everything. Why trust God when I can charge it? Okay, why? I mean, look, I've got all this plastic in my wallet. Why not use the plastic? No, no, no. Here's the reality of the matter. What, 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 what happens is most of the time God is last on our list. Okay, and, and we make statements like this. Ready for this? This is the statement we made. All I can do now is trust God. And I joke about in the South, when you get really serious, your voice quakes a little bit, and so it's, all I can do now is trust God. And I'm like, really? Dude, you're in bad shape. You're down to God only? Is that the God that spoke the worlds into existence? Is that the God that parted the Red Sea? Is that the God that healed the leper? Is that the God that gave sight to the blind, hearing to the, to, 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 to the deaf? Is, is, is that the God that, that, that straightened the back of the lame? Is, is, is that the God of the universe, the God that, that keeps the worlds in, in, in existence today. Are you talking about that God? The God that raised the dead? That God? That's all you've got left now is that God? God's not a last resort, my friend. God is, God is the first. He's the starting place. He's not a last resort. Well, all we can do now, pastors pray. No, no that's not the last resort. Prayer is the beginning Prayer is where we start. Prayer is where we camp. Prayer, prayer, is the, 
Prayer is the beginning step of all the troubles that we have. Now, let me say this to you. All right, so the, the, the object of Abraham's faith was God. All right? Now, let me listen to this. Faith is only as valid as its object. Okay? Faith is only as valid as its object. You show me what you've got your faith in, and I'll tell you whether or not you've you got valid faith determined on your object, you say. Um, I heard of a man that was ice skating with his son in Minnesota. They got up toward the end of the, what would be the skate season. The son said, Dad, could we go out today? He said, I, th- I, think, I think we can do that. So they threw their gear back in the back of their station wagon and, and hauled down to the lake where they <coughs> spent so many hours of their life skating together. They strapped on their gear and they got out over the lake. And the father, as he was interviewed, said it was a beautiful day and we were out skating. And he said, I was going this way. My son was going the other. And he said, I heard a noise and I turned around just in time to see the ice breaking beneath my son. He said, I tried to get to him, but before I could, he, he sunk beneath the frigid waters of that lake, and, he, and he, he drowned there. I remember the father weeping and saying, if I had known the ice was thin, we'd have never gone. So he had great faith, but the object of his faith was not valid. Okay. Great faith in thin ice. The people that live in our area here, Okay? They have great faith in their religion, but it's thin ice. It ain't going to hold them up in the long run. It's not valid. It's based, on, it's based on falsehoods and lies, and the ice won't hold. On the other hand, you can have a little bit of faith in thick ice, and no matter how small your faith is, your ice will your ice will hold you up. You remember the man, the, the man that said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief? It was a guy, if, if, this was, if, if this side of these banners is no faith at all, and that side is total faith, we know this, none of us are here yet. We, none of us have reached this place yet. None of us have total faith. We're people that have a mixture of faith and doubt. All of us. But, but when we get saved, we place our faith in tri- Christ and and, and, and Jesus said, do you believe? And the man said, yeah, I've got some faith. Yeah, I believe. And then he realized how far he had to go, but help thou my unbelief. Listen to me. You and I are somewhere on this line. But we're to be growing from no faith toward total faith all of our life. What has God done for you? What prayers has God answered? How faithful has God been to you? I'm not saying your life is problem free. Nobody's life is. That's why we're moving along this line. Challenges come in our life, and we have to trust God through them. And as we trust God and we see God working, it grows our faith, and we move further, and it grows our faith. Every single one of us must realize that our faith must be, it must be in the Lord. Number two, let me say this to you. Your knowledge of the, it's your knowledge of the object that determines the volume of your faith. All right, let that soak for a moment. It's the knowledge, okay, of the object that determines the volume, that determines how much faith you have. Let me give you an example. When we read our Bible, we learn about God, and as we learn about God, it increases our faith. You don't don't psych up more faith. We don't have faith psyching classes, okay? Okay, we've got, 
Wednesday night, we're, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? And then they'll have the, the play practice for the kids. Um, they'll, there'll be a sign language class that we have going. And then also we're starting a new class where the whole is going to head it up, and it's called Faith Psyching Class, okay? So everybody's going to get together there, and they're just going to try to draw some karma in, okay? I'm just, come on, let's just get, some, let's get, let's get the flow. Let's get the flow going, and let's get some more faith. And by that, people walk out, look at me. Brother Hall was amazing. I have more faith today than I've ever had before. That's not how you get faith. How do you get faith? You learn more about the object. You learn more about God. And in doing so, in recognizing God's faithfulness, our faith in Him grows. I, I, I remember the story, I've told it to you before, of, of, of an evangelist that was preaching for a friend that he went to college with. And back in those days, it was, it was uh, normally you would preach Monday through Friday, take Saturday off and finish the revival up on Sunday. Friday night came and the meeting was over and the pastor said, look, we have nothing to really do tomorrow. Would you like to, they were in Canada, would you like to ride across and see brother so-and-so that's ministering on the reservation? And he said, I haven't seen him since college. That'd be a great idea. He said, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a two-hour trip, let's go. So they met up the next morning, got in the pastor's Volkswagen bug, and it was in the 70s, he got in the pastor's Volkswagen bug, took off about an hour into a two-hour trip. He said to the evangelist who was sitting next to him, do you know where we are? He said, well, I'm we're going to see brother so-and-so on the reservation. He said, no, I know you know where we're going. Do you know where we are? And he said, I have no idea. He said, we're dead center of the deepest lake in all of Canada. And the evangelist said, I looked at him. I heard the evangelist say this person. He said, I looked at him and thought, are you kidding me? And he said, I, I turned to the pastor who was a friend of mine and said, are you kidding me? We're, we're, we're over the deepest lake in Canada. And the pastor said, relax. They say the ice is seven feet thick here. I want to know who they is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're asking me to put faith in somebody's measuring, first of all, who are they? Second of all, how did they measure the ice? Okay, I don't know how you figured out seven feet thick. And, and, and so he said, brother, I don't care. I don't care how thick it is here. You had no right getting me out in the middle of a lake uh, in this Volkswagen and not at least asking me if I wanted to go. And they were friends, so he said he's just burning up inside. And he said he could feel himself, his blood pressure rising. So he said, I just sort of turned my shoulder and looked out the window thinking to myself, this guy's an idiot. I cannot believe that he would get me out on this lake without asking me that I wanted to go here. And, and he said, man, I was almost trying to levitate myself off of the chair in hopes of just sort of drifting and not putting my weight on the Volkswagen. And he said, all of a sudden, I felt my heart just beginning to crawl up in my throat because there was this rumbling behind me. And he said, right as the moment I felt like my heart was just going to jump out, a Mack truck blew past us, blew snow dust everywhere. And he said, my jaw dropped, and I said to the pastor, <laughs> Did you, did you just see what I saw? And the pastor said, brother, I told you. And he said, I started bouncing up and down in the Volkswagen, having myself a time, shouting out and happy as can be. You know what happened? His faith was increased by his knowledge of the object. When he figured out it'll hold the Mack truck up, mm, ain't got no problem with his Volkswagen. And when we learn more about God, you think of David. I love the story of David and Goliath. Uh, David, David shows up on the scene and... and um, you know, everybody's hiding in the foxholes, you know. David walks up and Goliath in the providence of God walks out and starts defying Israel's army. And David said, who is this guy? Are you kidding me? He's defying our God? 
defying the army of God, the people of God. Who does he think he is? And, and, and he said, is somebody going to do something about this? His older brother Eliab, his older brother Eliab walked up and said, hey, look, look, I know the naughtiness of your youth. Go back to the few sheep our fathers left you with. Shut your mouth and go home, boy. You know what David said to his brother? Nothing. You know why? It's a waste of time for faith to answer foolishness. And people that live in the flesh always look at faith as though it's foolish. They can't ever take a step of faith because they think it's foolish. So David, rather than answering, just turned around and said, Hey, is there not a cause? Somebody went to Saul and said, You need to check this kid out. He ain't much, but he's talking big. So Saul called David up and said, Why should I let you fight the, the giant? Again, my question to Saul is, Why aren't you fighting the giant? Here's the king. He not going to do battle? No. He's going to send a teenager out to do it. And so he says to David, he said, why should I let you go? He's been, this guy has actually been fighting longer than you've been living. And David said two reasons why. A bear came along to take my father's sheep. And I, I, I knew it was my responsibility to watch the sheep. And so God gave me strength and I killed the bear. Later, a lion came along with the same intent and, and uh, he was going to take my father's sheep and it was my responsibility to protect my sheep. And so by the grace and power of God, I bearded the lion and I killed him. And I figured that if God could give me the lion and the bear, God can give me the giant. And so David waded out into the valley of Elah, took a stone. In fact, he took five, okay? He... he he loaded the clip. I mean, he was, you know why? You know why he took five? Because God never said one stone would do the job. Somebody said, well, he had bad brothers and an ugly aunt. No, no, no. God never said one stone will finish this guy off. So David said, I got five more. And I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to keep putting them in the chamber. Somebody's going down today. And so David, David walked out in the middle of the valley and he took that, that sling. I've said this before, but you, I love the children's song. It's cute and sweet. But, and one little sling went round, round and round and round. No, he didn't go round and round and round. He'd been dead, okay? That's what you find in between giant's toes is little, little shepherd boys that go round and around. He ain't going round and around. He put the stone in, let it go. God leaned over his shoulder and went, Whew. And when he did, it hit turbo speed. Bam, hit him right in the head. Just down he went. David had faith that God could defeat the giant because David had already seen God defeat the lion and the bear. And so my question to you today, are you facing giants? If you are, has God ever defeated a lion and a bear in your life? Pro probably shouldn't go into the valley of Elah if there are no dead lions and no dead bears behind you. But if God's done some things in your life, I want to tell you it's time that we, that we learn to trust Him. I, I love... I love it. Look in verse 17. This, this is what David knew about God. Watch this. Look at verse 17. Um, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom we believed, even God, watch, who quickeneth the dead. David knew, number one, that God brings dead things to life. He brings dead things to life. You may have a dead relationship with a family member, a friend. Something may have died in your life. God can bring dead things to life. That's what David knew about God. Number two, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. 
God can bring something out of nothing. Do you know what? Did you know, did you know that a little over 17 years ago on Sunday morning, there was no South Valley Baptist Church? Didn't exist. Nobody was here. Nobody was coming. Nobody sang. You know what God did? He brought something out of nothing. And God can do that in your life as well as mine. Third thing I want you to see quickly is the obstacles that faith overcame. Look in verse number 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Here's the reality of the matter. They were physiologically beyond the possibility of bringing a kid into the world. But rather than viewing that as an obstacle, um, Abraham viewed that as an opportunity. So, so how are you going to live your life? Staring at obstacles? Or trusting opportunities? And a God that can overcome them? I mean, the obstacles that are in front of you is just an opportunity for God to show His might. Um, it depends on how you view your problems as an obstacle or an opportunity as to how you're going to live your life. Sometimes God will present you with a dilemma. Remember Philip and the guys? He said, hey, we got a lot of people here to feed. And he turned to Philip. And the Bible says, knowing what he would do, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to present it to Philip. Hey, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? And Philip said, ah, don't look at me. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. And Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. I can't buy nothing for these people. And, and Jesus said, give me what you got. So he brought a few fish and a couple of cathead biscuits, and he fed the whole lot of them. Now look at me. Listen to me. When you get at the place where you can't, you've just arrived at where God can. You know what God wants to hear from you? I can't. It's bigger than me. I, I don't know. Honey, I don't know what we're going to do. I can't figure this one out. I don't know. Years ago, years ago we had resigned a, a, a church and we were at a place to where I was preaching around and we had bills due and things like that and God was making a move in our life. And my wife, Susie, came to me. We were just young, married. And Susie came to me, she said, we, we got this and this and this and this. How, how are we going to take care of that? And I, I said to her, I said, honey, has God ever failed us? Really? Would you just relax and go to bed? It's all good. So she was, okay. She went to bed. You know what I did? I climbed in a closet and said, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? I don't know. When you arrive at where you can't, you have just put foot on ground where God can. Trust Him. Last of all, and I close, the credentials of, of Abraham's faith. I love verse 20. He staggered not of the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Look at verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, watch these next three words and underline them, he was able. You ought to underline that. He was able. He was able. He was able. What he had promised, he was able to perform. Some people make promises, but they can't keep them. You ever had that happen? I mean, they mean well. They're not lying. They just, they made a promise, but suddenly things changed in their life, and they can't keep the promise. That means they're bad. It just means they're unable. 
They make a promise, but they can't keep it. Let me tell you three things about God. Number one, God makes promises. Number two, look at that word. He's able to keep them. Listen, exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. Number three, here's the best part. God is willing. God is willing. He makes promises. He's able to keep them. Number three, he's willing to keep his promises. One of my favorite illustrations comes from my life. When, when Dixie, my oldest daughter, she's teaching in children's church right now. When she was just a little girl, she came to me. I can see it as clear as if it was yesterday. She was just jitterbugging. Beautiful auburn hair with golden ringlands in it that her mother later cut, and we struggled through that marriage obstacle. But anyhow, um, she just came, little ringlets bouncing on her shoulders. And I remember how excited she just, Daddy. I said, what, honey? Guess what I want? I said, what, baby? She said, I want a cabbage patch doll. That's 36 bucks. Are you kidding me? We didn't have 30. I'm not spending $36 on a, look, the dollar store was, was, was in town. It was our mall in Georgia. Uh, the, the Dollar General, we can go to the mall, Dollar General, for $8, I can buy you a whole family. For eight bucks, mama, daddy, okay, and, 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 and six kids. I, I'm not spending $36 on an ugly baby. I'm just not doing that. Now, I know that those dolls from the, from the dollar store, they're, they're not the highest quality. You know, you, you, you hold them up, the eyes open up, lay them back, eyes closed. Hold them up, eyes open. About, about a day of that, one eye sticks shut. So you, you got a baby in the house now with one eye just... It's laying on the counter. You hear something at night, and you look down, and it's, it's not where you laid it. It's, it's moved across the room. There's a knife laying near it, and you're wondering what's going on. They make horror movies out of one-eyed babies, and so here's this baby with just one eye stuck open, you know. Spooky. Okay. One thing I did find out about them is you press their head in, it concaves makes a great cup holder. But anyhow... I got in trouble for that with Amy's babies. But anyhow, so they're not high quality. I know that. But I'm like, I can't, man, I can't. So I, I, I said to her what any good theologian would say. I said, hey, honey, why don't you pray about it? I mean, I just thought I'm going to push this off on God. I'll let her deal with God with that. So I brushed her aside. And she, I'll never forget, she said, I'll do that, Daddy. And I'm, this is so true. First prayer meeting we would have, we, our kids would go down and I'd read some scripture, not a, not a whole lot, but I'd read some Bible, and then we'd share something we're thankful for. And so we're going down the line. So Dixie's second in line. And, and so Dixie, Dixie bows her head to pray. She shared her thankful, and then she bowed her head to pray. And this is how she prayed. Dear God, I want a cabbage patch doll so bad. And her voice was shaking. You know, South Georgia now. Her voice is shaking. She says, oh, God. If you'll give me a cabbage patch doll, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And while she was praying, I opened my eyes and looked at Susie, and I said, good night. You talk about getting hold of the horns of the altar. Man, she is shaking heaven. She's serious. Well, every prayer, every, every devotion, she prayed that prayer. I mean, it was getting crazy. One time she came to me, she said, Daddy, what, Dixie? Guess what? What, Dixie? I'm still praying for the cabbage patch doll. I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't think I know that? You're driving me insane. Of course I know you're praying for the cabbage patch doll. I wanted to put her on my lap and say, honey, listen, there's wars. 
People got cancer. People are having major open heart surgery. There's problems in the world that are real. God hasn't given you this yet, has he? You've been praying for three months? Why don't you, why don't you just set this aside and pray more seriously and more maturely and, and, and just let, let's let this go. But I knew it would break her heart. So I just, okay, yeah, keep praying. Thanksgiving, we went to my sister's house in Cartersville. Judy, who was here this past Sunday, last couple of Sundays. Her daughter, Debbie, was there. And we, we'd go up for Thanksgiving, and we'd spend a couple of days for Thanksgiving and have Thanksgiving meal with them and then come back. And So we were up there. We pulled in the driveway. We didn't get in the house hardly at all. And my niece, Debbie, said, Dean, can I talk with you? I said, yes. Yeah. So we stepped aside, and she said, I, I want to ask you a question. And she said, uh, I have religiously filled out every little entry form for every giveaway that every new department store has had. And so I, there was a new one opened up here in Cartersville. I walked past it and said, I'm not going to waste my time. I've never won anything. And she said, I just felt this urge. I needed to do it. So I went back and signed, filled my name out, Debbie Bruce, and, and my phone number and dropped it in the box and forgot about it. She said, yesterday I got a phone call. Miss Bruce, yes. You filled out an entrance form. Yes, I did. Well, you won something. Congratulations. Come get it. She said, I saw pots and pans. Man, there was microwaves. There was all kind of great stuff. And she said, I'm just thinking, I'm a winner. I finally won something. So I went up and showed them my ID. She said, they handed me a bag. And she, the next thing she said, it didn't have a comma, hyphen, colon, semicolon, nothing. There was no break. It was just one giant sentence. And she said to me, she said, Dean, I want a Cabbage Patch doll and wondered if I could give it to Dixie. I mean, just one big sentence. When she said that, I started crying. I'm just breaking out crying. And that's awkward. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm sitting there across from her crying. Well, she was Southern Baptist. I'm Independent Baptist. And this is the honest the truth. She held her hands up and she said, hey, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know y'all had standards against Cabbage Patch dolls. It's exactly, those were exactly her words. And I'm thinking, we, we will soon. I mean, we'll give us some time. We'll, we'll come up with something. And so I told her the story of what had happened and what Dixie had prayed for for six months. And I said, go give it to Dixie. And in the back of the house, I heard a little girl say, <laughs> And she came running Jumped up in my arms holding the ugliest baby I have ever seen. She named him Marvin. And she still has Marvin at the house. I mean, I mean, looks like a colony of white-faced hornets mauled its body. And its face outswole its, its hair. I mean, it's just everything on it is swollen. Here's Marvin. Everything on it is swollen. And she held it up by the arm and said, Daddy, look what God gave me. And I said, he sure did. And I said, go show everybody. And she took off through the house. And I shut the door behind her. And I prayed. And I said, God, would you forgive me for not having enough faith to think that you could not only take care of cancer and heart surgeries and wars around the world, but you cared enough about a little curly-haired girl to give her a Cabbage Patch doll. Now, I want to tell you something. You listen to me. Your God is greater than you realize. And it could, be, it could be that a giant has walked out in your life and he's defying your God. And, and giants don't disappear. They have to be defeated. 
Giants don't go away. He was there 40 days and 40 nights until somebody defeated him. And you've got to have the faith to believe that God can take your giant down. Maybe, maybe there was a prayer that you prayed, and now you're just getting really weak. Maybe you set it on a shelf. Maybe you need to reach up, take the prayer out, blow the dust off, and pray the prayer again for your wayward child, your broken relationship, for the injury and the pain in your Maybe you need to start praying again to a God who can. Faith, do you believe that God can do the miracle that you need God to do in your life. I've pastored this church now for 17 years. I was on, there on the very first day. And I want to just tell you, I want to believe God more today than I did then. I want 2023 to be the greatest year of our life. I want God to show us things that we've never seen before. I want God to do things for us that only God can do. I don't want to play church. I don't want to press cruise control. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to just go Sunday to Sunday. I want God to do great things at South Valley. And I believe that he can. It begins with us and our faith. Let's bow our heads. I don't know what it is that you need God to do. But I do know that God is able. God is able to perform that which he's promised. Do you believe that God is? And that God can do what you need God to do. That's faith. That's faith. The fruit that the Spirit of God wants to produce in you, one of the characteristics of that fruit is faith. A belief that God is who God said He is and that God can do exactly what God said He can do. Faith in God. You think God cares more for a little girl and her Cabbage Patch doll than He does you and your real life problems? That was as real to her as your problems are to you. But yours are for keeps, I know. You believe God? If you're here today and you're not saved, if you were to die today and you, you know that you're not saved, would you lift your hand and say, Brother Dean, pray for me that I'll come to know Jesus, that my life will be changed by His love and His grace, that I'll know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you? Just remember you in my prayers. I'm not going to embarrass you or call your name. I just want to pray for you. Brother Dean, here's my hand. Pray for me, okay? All right. Then he's your father if you're saved. Trust him. He loves you. He cares for you. Father, thank you that in a world that operates by sight, that you have called us to live by faith. I pray that we would do just that and that we would believe you and trust you. And that in our church family, in our lives together as an assembly, 
that we would see your greatness more than we ever have before. We're a miracle church, and you're a miracle-working God. And I pray that, that we would see you evidently working and blessing as never before. Help folks that have deep, deep troubles in their life right now to not stagger at your promises, but to believe them and to have faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.